El caballo en la montaña con la sombra en la cintura Ella sueña en su baranda verde carne, pelo verde, ojos de fría plata Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Garna Gab podcast where we gab about nature, environmental happenings, and all things Garna. I'm your host, Kat. Today we're going to be gabbing about the removal of the Salida Lowhead Dam with our guest, Corinne Service, from the Arkansas Headwaters Recreation Area. After sitting on the Arkansas River for over 20 years, the dam along the town float section from Big Bend into Salida was removed this past fall. We'll discuss what a lowhead dam is, why we had one, its ecological and hydrological impacts, and the future of our river after its removal. But first, some nature facts. Today's nature facts with Kat are all about the rainbow trout. Did you know that rainbow trout can be found in 45 different countries? They're native to the Pacific Ocean watershed regions of Asia and North America, but because of how easy it is to farm trout, they've been introduced to different regions all over the world. Trout have been farmed for food since 1870, and despite being prolific in our rivers, they are not native to Colorado, but rather, they were introduced in the 1880s. The largest rainbow trout ever caught weighed 48 pounds. That's a lot of trout. But enough about fish, let's get to the dam interview with Corinne. Hi Corinne, welcome to the Gab. Thanks for having me Kat, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Uh, where are we today? So we are uh, in the AHRA, which is, stands for the Arkansas Headwaters Recreation Area. Uh, so it's part of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and AHRA is a state park. We manage the river corridor from Leadville to Canyon City, but today we are at the site of the formerly known Mount Chavano Lowhead Dam, which is just outside Salida City, the main downtown, um, and a popular family float. Awesome. So Corinne, you work for the AHRA. What is, what is your role there? So my technical role and um, position title is operations manager. So Tom Waters is our park manager. He is the one that we all report to. We've got a staff of about 10 full-time employees. And so I, as the operations manager, uh, help manage operations, as the, as the title implies. Um, I am a park ranger by trade and a law enforcement officer for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. But basically, I'm here to kind of help make things run and make sure our staff has everything they need to be successful. And uh, how'd you end up working there? Yeah, so kind of a fun story. Back in uh, about 2007, I moved to Colorado originally to be a raft guide here in the Arkansas Valley. I didn't have any clue what I was doing, and I had my Jeep and my belongings, and that's about it to my name. So I moved here to the Valley, uh, fell in love with the place, and was trying to figure out a way to make it a full-time deal. Um, at that point, I had no idea I wanted to be a park ranger. It wasn't really on the radar. Um, and so it took me a few years traveling, you know, living and working in Idaho, um, California, and then back in Colorado where I found Colorado Parks and Wildlife and became a park ranger. And it was always my dream to get back to this valley in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I started my career in Denver. And then when this position opened up in 2021, it was sort of a dream come true. Had to put my name in the hat. Never know if it would really come to fruition. But luckily, I have an incredibly supportive family. And uh, when I was 
offered the position. We made the decision to move our family here, and it's been pretty incredible. Awesome. What a beautiful journey. I know. So I want to talk about why we're here today. We are here at the former site of the Lowhead Dam, but what is a Lowhead Dam? Yeah, great question. So a Lowhead Dam is basically a manufactured structure, um, and it runs across the entirety of the river, and it's very uniform in nature. So they're oftentimes made out of cement, um, and they look pretty unassuming. Um, it's a gentle, you know, pour-over. But what happens is this, this structure is built for, you know, diverting water for irrigation or anything else. But this dam in particular was built to divert water to our hatchery. Um, and so it's this structure that looks really nice and serene, but it, it really is a safety hazard. And so um, boats and people and things like that cannot go through it because it causes a recirculating um, water formation that kind of holds what we call holds on to people. Um, and boats and anything else. And so it's very challenging to get out of if you go over it. And so it's been a concern. And when it was originally built, there was no boat chute. And so it was just wow. this uniform structure across the entirety of the river. Um, it was built in 1956. And I think I'm getting ahead of myself with some of your questions, but okay. originally built in 1956, again, to help the Mount Chavano fish hatchery so they could um, divert some water. They had about 32 CFS water right. And so they used that to, um, to help raise their fish but then in about 1999-2000, the dam was decommissioned because we learned about whirling disease and if we were diverting water from, that, from the surface of the Arkansas River, um, it was contaminating the water for the hatchery and so they really needed to use well water and, and water that was, was clean and so they stopped utilizing their, their water right and stopped utilizing the dam for its original purpose. Wow, so it was obsolete for quite a while didn't have a boat shoot for quite a while. How did we let it stand so long? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, back in, I believe it was 1988, they they built that boat shoot and it's, um, and they wanted, it was number one for recreation and for, for passage for people, but it also was, was supposed to serve as a fish passage because, you know, with a structure that is completely across the river, it certainly blocks fish migration and invertebrate migration, so it, they can't travel upstream. So they put in that boat structure or boat chute structure in about 1988, um, with the hopes that people and fish could pass. And for for a long while, honestly, many people did pass, and it was sort of um, it was working, you know, so to speak, with a few incidents every year. Um, it wasn't working quite as well for the fish, which is was one of our main concerns, and it. It wasn't working for, you know, someone who didn't really know where there were, a beginning boater. You know, we had a lot of incidents throughout the years, and unfortunately we had some, some fatalities as well. And so we just sort of finally realized, like, why? Would it, why should it, the purpose is, is no longer being utilized for, for water for the hatchery. Um, it really is creating this barrier, and it's a safety concern for people. And so let's work to, to get this thing out and really make this river, restore the river to its natural habit, habitat, make sure that fish and invertebrates and people can can travel safely up and down this section. Um, this is a very, very family-friendly section, new beginner boater section, and we and we want to make sure that we can, you know, maintain that integrity of that section. And, and this was definitely a deterrent and, and an issue. And so we're really, really happy that it's no longer here. Absolutely. Awesome. How long was the process to remove the dam from the proposal of the removal until it was finally complete? Yeah, sure. So again, as I mentioned, 1999-2000, whirling disease happened. For those who do not know about whirling disease, whirling disease is caused by a metazoan parasite called Myxobolus cerebralis. 
This parasite may not directly kill trout, but infected young trout can often develop deformities of the skull and spinal column, or display erratic tail-chasing behavior, hence the name whirling disease. Rainbow trout are most susceptible to infection and have experienced population-level effects due to exposure. Additionally, brook trout and all of Colorado's native cutthroat trout subspecies are susceptible to the infection. Whirling disease does not infect humans, and humans cannot contract whirling disease from eating or handling fish. The Mount Chavano Trout Rearing Unit presently does not have any cases of whirling disease. 1999-2000, whirling disease happened, the dam was decommissioned, we no longer used it for the hatchery, um, and so it was one of those things where I think it was on everybody's radar, but it wasn't maybe a, a, a super you know high on the priority list of concerns because it wasn't really causing too many issues. Um, but really, as more and more recreational users are coming out there, out here, as um, we're understanding more and more about our impacts to the river system, it started to be a, a point of discussion. You know, what, what are we going to do with some of our existing infrastructure and our dams, and, and are we still using them, and what is their purpose? Uh, and so it took a while, but really discussion started in 2020, and, and we wanted to, to address the safety concern, and so there's talk about, you know, putting in a, you know, a terraced approach ahead of the dam so it was safer passage and all these things. Um, and then really in 2021, um, with the team of the, our Southeast region team, you know, Rena Griggs to be, be specific and, and a lot of our water experts, they found this funding for, it's called NRD, so National Resource, Natural Resource Damages, and they were funding projects like this to remove dams that were no longer you know, feasible, no longer necessary. And so that really started the ball rolling of, of, it turned from discussion and talking about it and sort of you know pipe dream of maybe doing something to fix it or getting it out to, oh, there's actual money where we can can apply and get this money and, and maybe get this thing out of here. Yeah, make it and happen. so, yeah, it was a, it was a team effort. Um, I can't thank, you know, our Southeast region team enough. Tom Waters is a huge driver, you know, Brian Johnson at the hatchery, Sean Shepard with Area 13. It was truly this collaborative effort um, with our region applying for that NRD grant. We received funding for it um, and it was about for half, about half of the funding to get, to get the, the dam removed. And then it was, you know, this incredible momentum where Chafee County, the county commissioners, they decided to throw in some money, um, some challenge money to really get us over the hump. And then, you know, CPW and the region decided to, to be able to fund the entirety of the project. And the ball, you know, continued rolling from there. And so we're super excited that with all of the efforts for years and years um, from discussion to making it come to fruition, you know, a lot of people put a lot of work in. And um, we had a lot of different funding sources and we're really, really thankful for everyone who who helped out, um, and then we were able to get our con construction team contracted, and that was Moltz Construction, and they were phenomenal at getting this, you know, this done in such a quick time frame. Yeah. I think they started construction October 23rd, and they were completely cleaned up and gone by November 28th. So wow. this dam Just that has been here for years, yeah, and, and really I think the dam itself is probably removed in a week or two, and then it was, you know, making sure that the grade and everything was was natural and trying to restore it back to its, you know, original original slope. And so it's a nice, gentle section again. Yeah. Um, and then all the cleanup, that was sort of, that took more time than ever. But Moltz Construction did an incredible job, and they really, they brought their A-team, and it was it was pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, I know. You took <laughs> Bianca and myself down to watch, and I just felt like I was in awe. Had never seen such a large project, uh, I don't know. 
that I was so excited about. I know. It it's, awesome. it's like this thing. It's like, well, how, how is this going to come out? Is it going to take forever? What does this mean? And it, it was, it seemed seamless. I'm sure it was a little more challenging to, to the folks who are actually doing it, but to watch it from, you know, the side and, and to be an observer, it was pretty incredible. I was, I was in awe. Yeah. Awesome. Me too. <laughs> no, I just think, yeah, this is, we're super excited about this section and we'll see what this next summer season brings. And um, hopefully, you know, more and more people are more comfortable and they're able to get out here on the river. There is still an unknown, you know, when high water comes in, in June, we'll see what happens to the banks. And so there is still some planting to be done to, to rehabilitate, you know, the, the banks of the river. Um, so I think the idea is we're really, we want to see what high water brings uh, to see kind of what the river decides to do. Yeah. Because just, just because we put it back in a certain way doesn't mean um, that's what the river is going to have it look like, you know, when we're, when we're through the season. So planting, um, we're going to replant willows and native vegetation and do some more bank stabilization. And that'll happen probably sometime in July and August. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, it should take about a year or two for things to, to take root and to really, you know, look natural again. There's still... There's still definitely, you can see some rocks and you can tell some work has been done. But generally, if you're on that river, I don't think you would even know where the dam was. They did an incredible job of just making it really match um, the character of this section. And so we're pretty excited to, to see, hopefully can bring some more, more river enthusiasts to this section and some new boaters and family. And I can't wait to get my family out here as well. Awesome. Yes, the family float exactly. will be safe once again. <laughs> Great. Well, I can't wait to see how it turns out. Me too. It's going to be beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Corinne. It's been an honor talking to you today. Yeah, thanks for thinking of me and thanks for uh, coming out here today. Of course. We'll, uh, we'll gab, you, gab with you again in the future. Sounds good. Now for some garden news with our fabulous community engagement director, Jess Downing. Jess, want to tell us what's coming up at Garna? Thanks, Kat. We are relaunching our book club this year with quarterly reading recommendations and meetups. Our first book of the year is Crossings, How Road Ecology is Shaping the Future of Our Planet by local author and environmentalist Ben Goldfarb. Join us Thursday, March 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. at Trace Litros to talk about crossings and ask the author any burning questions that you may have after reading. We are excited to bring back Mountain Film on Tour for the eighth year on March 28th. Our theme this year is Big Green World, and the films travel from the Baffin Islands in the Arctic to Scotland to the rainforest in Washington State as the subjects discover insights about themselves as they discover the natural world around them. Tickets are on sale now for $25 for adults and $10 for youth. Come on down and get inspired on March 28th at the Slide Esteem Plant. Doors open at 6 p.m. and the show starts at 6.30. In partnership with the Slider Regional Library, we will be hosting naturalist education programming. When we do our part, we keep our forests healthy, protect our parks, and keep wildlife strong. The theme for our programming this spring is stewardship and preparedness. We will kick off this programming March 7th with a night focused on Leave No Trace. March 21st, we will teach the 10 essentials and the basics of outdoor trip planning. And then we'll wrap it up on May 23rd with navigation. Our final Ski with a Naturalist tour at Monarch Mountain will be Friday, March 15th. So come ski with us if you haven't already. And lastly, we have two more hiking club snowshoe hikes, Friday, March 8th and Friday, March 22nd. That's all for Garna News. Now it's time to wrap up with some environmental news. 
New bills in Colorado legislature are taking aim at the oil and gas industry over the Front Range's poor air quality, which is among the worst in the nation. Democratic legislators proposed three bills that will focus on curbing toxic emissions from oil and gas drilling sites by changing how the state issues permits, lengthening Colorado's summer ozone season to five months instead of three months, and putting a halt to summer oil drilling and increasing fines for companies that violate the terms of their air pollution permits. If they pass, these bills will be a huge step in the fight to improve air quality along the Front Range. In terms of local news, according to the Colorado Snowtel Snowpack Update Report, the Arkansas River Basin is at 88% of our average snowpack. Let's hope for some more late winter storms, but so far, it's looking like it should be a great river season this summer. That's a wrap on the Garnet Gab for now. Tune in next time when we gab with local author and environmentalist Ben Goldfarb. 